Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 137. Today, we're going to be talking all about student portfolios. And I have a fantastic guest on who not only is helping teachers transform their classrooms through, through portfolios, but I believe their company has the next big thing in this platform, and I'm looking forward to introducing you to him today. But before we get through that, there's a lot of great things going on in the world of technology coaching. First and foremost, we just launched a brand new Google Educator group. Check out all the great stuff over at gegnewengland.com. That's right. The states of Connecticut, Vermont, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Maine, and Connecticut got all together and said, we need to make a Google group that is supporting teachers for teachers by teachers. And last week, we just put out a fantastic launch party. And all the videos and stuff up are going to be over on gegnewengland.com. And guys, we are looking to see who is interested in joining us in this adventure. Who's looking out there to see what they can do with Google Educator Group? We are every single month focusing on a specific Google application. Last month, our first month, in fact, we started looking at Google Keep. That's right. Google Keep from 30 different ways. We created our GEG New England YouTube channel, put everything up, and every other day of the week this week, that's right, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we are putting out brand new videos all about Google Keep, how you can use it, what is it. Some of these are good feature videos, how to push the button. Some of these are good videos for how to use it with your kids. It is a good YouTube channel that we're building Starting next month, we're going to be focusing on things like Google Takeout, organization, getting ready for the summertime, all those videos with the idea that you guys can take those videos and share them with your community. Doesn't that feel like it's going to take some of the pressure off of you guys as tech coaches, knowing that you've got some great videos out there? So check out the GEG New England YouTube channel, gegnewengland.com website. We are just getting started. We have a lot of great things going on as we go into the summertime. If you're looking for a GEG, check out GEG New England today right here. Not only are we doing that, but also the Tech Coach Network is doing well. And we want to say, guys, thank you out there for the hundreds of tech coaches that are part of this and every single week getting together. We, of course, mentioned last week we've had some great successes. People who are coming to us, listening to this podcast, joining the TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. You can head on over to teachercast.net slash TCN form and filling it out today. We've had a lot of tech coaches come up to us and say, hey, look, I've been a part of the community and now I am a brand new tech coach. Or, hey, I've been a part of the community and I have a new job as a different tech coach in a different school district. We are here to support you guys as we are each and every Monday and we have such a good time. But today I am excited to talk to you guys about a topic that we've covered a few times on the channel. 
digital portfolios. What are digital portfolios? What are they used for? I use digital portfolios with my students and even the edu triplets as they come home with their stuff. We're putting them in fo- in folders and formats and Google sites and stuff like that. But I want to share with you guys our interview today because it is really, really important that we know not only what is a portfolio, but how to use it effectively in your classrooms and with your teachers. Specifically, how do you use buy-in for this? We talk a lot about how the fact that you can't bring in an application from the bottom up. It's gotta be from the top down, and we cover that today. So I wanna bring to you guys my interview on student portfolios. My guest today is the director of partner development and digital portfolio coach with Spaces. And not only that, but his role has him focus on equipping forward-thinking educators with the resources and knowledge they need to empower their students to tell their stories. And that is exactly what we're gonna be sharing today. How can we create amazing stories through digital portfolios? I wanna bring on the show today, Mr. Damian Matheson. Damian, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be here. It's a nice, sunny, warm day. Haven't had too many of those where I'm, I'm calling in from in, in Toronto, Canada, this part of the time of the year. So I'm in a great mood and I'm looking forward to have a, a great conversation with you, Jeff. I am so certainly looking forward to this too. Talk to us a little bit about digital portfolios. We've talked about this on the show. We've been helping tech coaches build portfolios, but you're right here in the space. What is new? What is hot? What is yeah. exciting about digital portfolios? Yeah, well, I mean, I I'm biased, but I think you're talking to the right guy, someone who says he's a digital portfolio coach, right? Um, the word digital portfolio, I have issues with it, actually, because so many things say that they're a portfolio. So many things say they're a digital portfolio. You can go from one end of the spectrum of something like a, a Google Sites, where it's kind of a static page and you add a thing to it. And then you can go to the completely other end of the spectrum, tools like a, a Spaces, where it's a lot more interactive. Um, actually, the, the best way to frame it for for educators is we've all heard this idea of the the three p's when it comes to a digital portfolio so um process progress and product and actually i was was just talking to uh, likely a mutual friend uh, jake miller from the uh, education duct tape podcast and you know the way he framed it was that most times because the word digital portfolio has been around for a long time in education right it's only a little bit more recently with some newer technologies that they've really kind of gone 2.0 in in my personal opinion but because they've been around for so long when you hear digital portfolio, oftentimes your default is to think of something like a Google Sites, a, a static page, where often the way we've been using portfolios, digital or not, over the years is the product portfolio. That's where you put your products. You put it in this binder, and then hopefully it moves with you from year to year. But the digital portfolio is about so much more than that, and the easiest way to explain it uh, is, is process. So we're using a digital portfolio to have our students think through the work they're doing, explain their thinking, uh, progress. My favorite reason for a digital portfolio is to allow students to show growth over time. Here's where I was in September. Here's where I was in June. And then, of course, yes, there is the product. Uh, you're going to have some of your best work. You're going to have your highlight reel. Maybe you want to share a, a particular portfolio with a potential employer, scholarship application, college application, or maybe just as a, an assignment you want to hand into your teacher when it's the final work. But it's more than just the product. It's about the evolution. It's about the story. And that's why I'm a big believer in digital portfolios that allow the students to showcase why there's so much more than the grades on the report card. It's by telling a story of how they got from A to B and everything that happened in between. I'm glad that you mentioned it that way, because for so long in the tech coaching world, we try to say the words digital portfolio and we might mean website, right. this static thing. And, you know, you mentioned Google Sites. I'm sure many people out there are building portfolios on Google Sites. Yep. They might be building portfolios on OneNote. Um, 
when we're looking as a school district, which many of our tech coaches out there are on these committees where we get asked, what are the best tools? What are the, what are the directions? What should somebody be looking for? Not necessarily application wise, but what makes a good digital portfolio tool? Yeah. Um, very biased, right? But one, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that even if they're doing it on Google sites, even if they're doing, you know, the Wheelies and the Wixes, great. That's a start. Okay. I mean, you're, you're bought into the idea that students should have a place and, you know, this could go in many different conversations, right? There's, I had an interesting conversation with another uh, popular name in education, George Kuros, where uh, he talked about having students built because when, when you get Googled for the job interview, right? What do you want them to find? So many things live like a Google site, for example, I'm not knocking Google sites at all. Again, it's, um, if you're doing that, it's great. I'm a big fan of Google classroom, but Oftentimes, the work that students are doing within these siloed systems that are part of the education system, like in the Google Classroom, more often than not, you're going to lose access to that right? yeah. after, after you graduate or leave the school system. So when you're going in for that job interview and, and the employer is searching for your name, they're not going to find all the work that you did there because that stuff is locked into the education system behind a protected firewall for, for good and, and for bad reasons. But what do you want? What what do you want employers to find? What do you want the world to know about you? We always talk about, we want our students to be creators, not just consumers. So let's have a conversation about digital citizenship so that they know what to put out there, what not to put out there, and then encourage them to do that in a safe environment so that they can build that habit for it. But that was kind of a digression to your, your question, Jeff. I mean, the, the reason I went off on that tangent and what I always tell our, our partners and the school boards that we're working with when they're talking to us about digital portfolio, is before we even look at the tool, I just stop them and I say, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we having this conversation? You know, if we're having this conversation now at the start of the year, what do you want students to have accomplished? What do you want teachers to have accomplished by the end of the year? And, and I get so many different reasons, right? So it's uh, for, for a lot of teachers I talked to, especially this past year, they wanna provide a, a window into the classroom for parents, right? There's a lot of parents at the start of the school year who, got to see a lot more of what the students were doing. And then they liked that. And then for those places where they were able to go back to school, it kind of got cut off. Of course, parents are still gonna have access to the Google classrooms and the learning management systems, but you know that's that's an effort to have to log in and see what your kids are doing. But when you have something like a digital portfolio and there's an app on your phone and they can get a ding when Jimmy is out of the picture, it provides a window into the classroom, but it also allows them to easily add a reflection. So there's a lot of schools and communities who wanna build more of a community with their parents by allowing them to engage in this process of learning. So not just looking at the final product that ended up on a, on a site, a Google site, but actually engaging and leaving comments and reflections and seeing that process and progress and growth over time. So for it's a parent's thing, a lot of times it's also just a reflection thing. A lot of uh, teachers are now understanding that they need to build in this habit of reflection, daily reflection. So they'll use something that's easy like a digital portfolio that's purpose built to encourage reflection to have students do it over time. So there's so many reasons why, you know, another big district reason is we're, uh, we've bought in this idea of a graduate profile or the, the profile of a learner, right? We have our six C's. We want every one of our students to be able to demonstrate evidence that they're working towards or maybe have attained mastery of communication and collaboration and global citizen. How do you do that? Well, you build a digital portfolio where they know these are the six things they need to showcase evidence of and it's, pretty easy for them to do it when it's intentional about why they're doing it. So to answer your question, to sum it all up, it's not what they should be looking for. Once they need to start with the why, once they figured out their why, then they can go to the vendors and say, this is why we want a digital portfolio. Can your tool support that? And it will allow them to make the most informed decision. Well, 
let's segue into that because the question that you just posed is can your tool support that you are of course the director of partner development for a great application called spaces uh, tell us a little bit about it yeah so it, it is a great program i'm, I'm super um excited jeff about the opportunity to, to share it with your listeners so long story short the company that birthed spaces spaces is brand new it's we started at the start of the school year but as a company we've been around for closer to 15 years so i mentioned at the start of this we're out of canada uh, for the past 15 years or so, we've been making college and career readiness software for the Canadian market. So very customized at a provincial level. It allows students to make more informed decisions about life after high school, researching careers, post-secondary pathways themselves and everything in between. Right. About five years ago, we stapled on a digital portfolio feature to the college and career readiness solution based on some feedback that we got some some from really great educators saying it'd be really cool if our students could create collections of the work they were doing in your program, saving their favorited occupations and pathways and resumes and goals and budgets and all that stuff. So we said, yeah, that's, that's actually a really great idea. So we built it and we've been slowly uh, and surely making it better over time. But there's been this trend of in this past five years that, that this idea behind the digital portfolio has just skyrocketed. Right. So for so many reasons, like the ones I just talked to about allowing parents to have a window into the classroom, allowing students to showcase and reflect on growth over time. So much so that teachers who have been using our digital portfolio feature that got stapled onto a, a career readiness tool are asking for it to, to be able to do this and to do that and to do this. And we want them to be able to do that with this tool. But as long as it was stapled on to a, a 10 year old career education tool, it was never going to be able to have all the bells and whistles that they wanted in a true digital portfolio tool. So we took all that feedback um, that we've been collecting over the years and we decided, and you know, quite frankly, it was COVID that lit a fire under our butt that said, you know what, learning truly now is happening anytime, anywhere. Uh, teachers and their students, they need an easy to use tool to support the documentation and the reflection of that learning anytime, anywhere. So that was kind of the impetus that said, yeah, we do, we need to build spaces. Uh, so it's, it's been an amazing first year of a journey, technically still in beta, but we're about to rip that sticker off. We've had some amazing educators who have been helping us shape the future of where it's going next. Been focused exclusively on the teacher at this point. What can we build to make it the best possible tool for the teacher and their students? And then now we're starting to have conversations about, well, if you did want to implement this at a school or district level, what needs to be there in terms of you know reporting your single sign-on your all the other stuff that comes into play when you're talking about supporting schools at scale you know this is interesting that you mentioned that you spent the good part of this year as a beta product um but you've got this rich history of being in the education field yeah. i'm curious um working with teachers working with coaches working with school districts what have you learned over the last six to eight months that's helping you guys when you officially alpha out yeah, uh, so much, actually. So it's an interesting question, Jeff. I mean, the way that I usually position it to teachers and um, the, the way I usually position it is that there's a lot of companies out there and, and we'll see it. It's becoming a lot more uh, popular in, in ed tech now where these companies are going out and raising millions of dollars from these venture capital firms in the Silicon Valley or wherever so that they can scale their products. Um, we've never done that. So my blueprint has been a bootstrap company from from day one. And that's what I was alluding to when I had my big hesitation there is that what I usually explain to teachers is that we're bootstrap, which means our founder, his name's Gil, really passionate guy. He actually started my blueprint as a research project when he was in his undergrad in, in university, still steering the ship today. 
um, he started this with a little bit of money that he had and uh, with, with his co-founders at the time and, and slowly but surely built it into what it is today. So I like to refer to my blueprint because in, in Canada, we're supporting over a million students in making more informed decisions about their future. I like to refer to it as a 15-year overnight success. So we, we've taken that and we've applied it to spaces. So what I tell teachers is we're actually more interested in your feedback than your finances. We're not in a rush to get your credit card number or a PO out of the door because we have my blueprint, the company in Canada, over 400 school boards are licensing it. That's keeping the lights on for us and that's funding spaces. So you have a lot of other companies out there who seek tens of millions of dollars uh, of, of venture capital money from investors. And what a lot of teachers may not know is that puts pressure on the company that puts pressure on them to pay back their investors and to satisfy their advisory board a lot faster than they may like to, because investors want their money back and they want to know that the company is going in a direction that they will get their money back. So for us, it's actually the opposite. We don't have to pay anyone back, it's our money. So we can take the time we need to talk to the teachers and to talk to the administrators and the district level people to make sure we really get it right and really do something different that isn't already out there and, and find kind of our niche. So definitely still in the process of it. I like to think we're a lot further ahead now than we were a year ago, uh, but we, we've learned uh, a lot, Jeff. I mean, the, the biggest thing that uh, I've personally learned in this past year in talking with educators is there's, there's a real need for these tools to be a lot more student driven. Uh, a lot of the times when we're having these, these conversations about documentation and digital portfolios, a lot of that is coming from the teacher. The teacher saying, I want you to do this. This is what it should look like. But we're obviously moving into a time where things uh, have a lot more voice and choice. Of course, there's a healthy balance somewhere in between, but we're trying to build it in such a way that the student is really the one telling their story with, with spaces. It is all about storytelling. And I know in, in, in hearing you and, and learning about spaces, and we've been talking over the last couple of months here, you know, one of the things I'm working on in my district is creating a digital citizenship platform. Cool. Um, we're talking about digital footprint. Where do we go? Let's take a step back and talk to the coaches that are listening to this. They have a district that wants to go in this direction. How do you implement this? Because I, I have a feeling, and, and I, I'm doing the same conversation with myself when we're talking about moving into a Teams environment. These aren't applications. These are culture shifts. We have a culture yeah. of do something, put it here, and there's a reason for it. It's not just one more thing for the teacher. What is the philosophy behind all this? How do we start to get teacher buy-in? Um, nobody in the middle of COVID, and I'm hoping one day we stop saying it that way, yeah. wants to learn that there's a brand new application that's going to have all of this <laughs> impact on their lives. And, yeah. and so they ask, of course, why, when, how, who, support. So talk to us about the culture shift. When you think about bringing in a portfolio environment, that's got to take more than just the tech coach, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. You need the buy-in uh, from the people that are participating. Yeah. So I'll answer that in a second, but I do want to touch on, on one thing, Jeff, because it, it comes up all the time, right? Yes. It's, sure. it's, it's this conversation of one more thing, right? And as much as, um, you know, we, I like to position any kind of digital portfolio, like there's, there's technically, depending on where you are, no real curriculum that says, you know, you have to add this to a portfolio. Sometimes there is uh, even, but it's it's at the bottom of of the totem pole in terms of look i'm a science teacher i need to get through these 10 outcomes before i can worry about my kids putting it into a portfolio that kind of thing but the way i like to reframe it and, and we've had so many actually i just talked to an amazing educator um at a clark county school district in in vegas the other day and the way he 
brought it up to his students was like, guys, you're on the screen all day now. Let's take a break from the screen. Go and here's a, an activity and print out and do whatever, just do it off the screen. And the way he tells them now to use a digital portfolio like spaces is take a picture of that thing, right? Just record evidence of it one, so maybe you can reflect on it later, but more so so that it moves with you from year to year. That's one of the big reasons educators love spaces is that it actually does move with them uh, across their educational career. So all that is to say, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, it is still one more thing, but it doesn't have to necessarily be this huge one more thing. Uh, when I'm talking to educators, a digital portfolio is something to document all the great things that are already happening within your classroom. Almost think of it like you had a, a film crew behind you and this is a reality show. They're just documenting the work that you're already doing, not necessarily saying have to do this one more thing. You just have to be the one taking the picture of recording the video. Um, but but to your, your main question, Jeff, like what we normally do is, so again, you talked about the reason and I've already talked about the why. So if there's no why and we kind of have, um, I like to refer to it as a trust contract. So at the start of it, Anytime we're engaging, especially early on with spaces, a lot of these are pilots because we're building this thing out and we want you to be able to dip your toe in the water before going full steam and, and form. So cherry pick a few educators that you know want to be involved with this. So let's say we're going to do a pilot. You don't have to go all at once, right? There's no rush. Uh, but if we're talking about your digital citizenship idea, what we could do is we could say at the end of this term or at the end of this school year, what is the main goal you want out of digital citizenship? And maybe it's for students to be able to articulate in their own words what a digital citizen is and to be able to produce something that they can publish online outside of the school system that is uh, equivalent to you know what a safe good thing for them to get out there in the world would be so it's to understand what is a digital citizen and to actually produce a content that they can share outside of the system so we would basically backwards engineer that and that would be the end goal that we want to get to we would say hey guys there's no point doing this for everybody so let's get a tech coach involved and let's pick three teachers that you know want to do this or maybe it's at different schools that are in different parts of the county and there's better representation or something like that uh, and then we just you know <laughs> hold their hand a lot along the way uh, one of the big things we've always done in our company and since day one is, you know, we double down on support. It's one of the biggest differentiators in the world that we're living in today. It's really easy to make software, right? The kids in these, your schools, Jeff, yeah. are probably coding things that would blow your mind half the time when you learn about it, right? So it's it's easy. It's not easy to learn code, but it's a lot easier to get into programming and, and become a software developer than it ever has been at any time in our lives, obviously. So differentiators from a company to company aren't often to do with the features. There's so much overlap. Can always build a new feature but one of the things that's really helped separate us from other companies in this market is the support we provide so we'd start at the top we'd understand your why we'd work backwards figure out who's involved tech coach three pilot teachers and their classes and then we'd build basically a, a month by month implementation plan about at the bare minimum like what can we do to get to your end goal so maybe it's once a week we find some time to carve out on fridays to talk about digital citizenship. And then the next Friday is when we're gonna practice writing something that we think would get published online. But that one's not gonna get published online. That's just for the teacher to review and maybe then a month or two months, three months later, if we're just doing a, a half a year pilot project, that's they've worked through all this, they've gotten their feedback and now they know what they actually could publish online. And one of the beautiful things about spaces that we're, we're building into it is that students, especially when they get a little bit older, will have the ability to publish these portfolios online um, for the exact reasons that I shared before, because they may want to stand out from the other hundred resumes that the hiring manager is going to be sifting through or 
the thousands of kids that are applying to that same college program, they want a more visual, engaging way to tell their story. Is Spaces just a tool for high school students or when we're looking at bringing this in? I mean, obviously, we want to be bringing it into our K to five as well. But those projects don't necessarily make it into their college portfolio. How does how does Spaces prepare a whole K-12 environment where at the end people might say, I want this, I want this, but I don't need my fourth grade coloring homework or something like that? Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely um, K through 12. I mean, reason I even hesitated for a second is because we have some post-secondaries using it as well, but they'd be doing it for the reasons you just talked to you about wanting to showcase some of their best work with employers. When we're talking about younger years, um, it, it's more of a focus on the process and the progress, less of the product. Maybe there's still a little bit of product at the end of the day for the teacher to review kind of how they got to the end result. Um, you don't have, the, the nice thing about something like spaces and, and what we're building into it is so there's going to be this idea of a, a personal space, right? And that's what a student can create, especially when they get older, um, because they might want to create a, a different space that's not tied to one of their classes for those examples I, I gave before. But because your work is moving with you from year to year, you can actually choose and pick what you want to curate. So if you did want to create, let's say you're in grade eight at this point and you're applying for your first part-time job um, at the local ice cream store, right? And you want to stand out from those other hundred kids that are, uh, applying for that same job with with the old-fashioned resume, you can look between your grade four and your grade five, your grade six, grade seven, your grade eight stuff. Maybe you have a space with your science work and, and your English work and your history and your geography or your teacher advisor group, and you can cherry and pick the best stuff that you want and curate that within a personal space just for the ice cream store. So it could be a letter recommendation from your grade seven teacher. It could be a, a piece of feedback that you got from a grade six assignment that allowed you to grow and, and get better. It could be a video that you added talking about why you love ice cream and why you're destined to work there. Um, so I think it's important that student works move with them from year to year for a number of reasons so that students themselves can reflect on growth. One of the big reasons teachers love it is, you know, if I'm a grade five teacher, I want to get a better sense of my incoming grade fours who are about to move up. What a great way to look into the window of what they did in grade four, where they're struggling, where they need help. We haven't even talked about you know, this, this monster feature that we're building now that will allow students and teachers to apply um, standards and outcomes to the work they're doing. So if in that exact example from the grade five teacher, and I have a bunch of grade fours who are about to move into my classroom, uh, and I want to look at how Sally did uh, with the work that she documented and, and reflected on as it related to her grade four literacy. I can filter and say Sally literacy, see those 10 outcomes and see her proficiency scores and see if she's improving or if she needs help. So for all those amazing reasons that will help to differentiate and personalize learning, I think it's super important that the work moves with the students from year to year and that it starts at a younger age. And it's not all about the product. It, it's actually more about the process and, and progress. You keep mentioning the fact that Spaces is out for teachers and always here to support education. Um, You've got a pretty interesting contest going on. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing in the community. Thanks for that, Jeff. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, for those listening, you can't see it, but there's a banner behind me. It says competencies with other classroom. That's a, a podcast that we started as a company back in October. So like I mentioned, we kind of have two different arms. We have the career education arm and we have the digital portfolio arm. And I thought, what could we do to help support teachers, especially this year, uh, who are working with their students around digital portfolios and around career education? When I thought about it, the two that where those kind of overlap have to do with 21st century skills and, and this idea of core competencies, right? 
So what we did with season one of the podcast is we interviewed about 21 different industry professionals, CEOs and, and hiring managers, because it's really easy to tell our students, you know, you need to be a critical thinker, you need to be a problem solver, you need to be a collaborator. But what does that actually look like in the workplace? So we interviewed all these different people in industry and basically half the conversation was, what do you actually do at work all day? So as a civil engineer, what do you actually do, right? And then the other half was, what are those 21st century skills? What are those competencies that you need to be successful there? So that the students and the teachers listening can actually see what a real life example of problem solving looks like as a civil engineer, as an example. For season two, we're about to kick that off uh, mid-April. And what that is, is now we have a pretty good sense of what industry is looking for and what those skills look like in action, but what are educators doing to empower those students, their students to develop those skills. And I'm in a very privileged position where I get to work with educators across North America. So I know there are some really amazing teachers doing some really amazing work as it relates to helping these students develop these skills. But I feel like a lot of those stories are siloed. I feel like so many teachers could benefit from hearing from other teachers about what they're doing in the classroom, more than just 280 characters on, on Twitter. So what we're doing with season two is we're trying to amplify the voice of the educator. And we're profiling 21 teachers who are doing an amazing job of developing 21st century skills in their students. We're taking a two minute clip because I ask the same question in every episode. What's one idea that, that you've done in your classroom that another teacher listening to this could borrow and steal and bring back to their classroom? as it relates to developing 21st century skills in our students. So there's going to be a way starting on May 1st for you to visit futurereadyclassroom.com and vote on your favorite answer to that question. There'll be 21 different ones to pick from. You'll click tweet to vote. You'll submit a vote. There'll be prizes for the podcast guests. So we're giving away $2,100 in prizes. You can probably see the theme here. We're calling it 21 for 21. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're giving away a prize a day, every day in May, for those people who are voting. And there happens to be 21 school days in May or weekdays. Uh, so it's all coming together pretty nicely, futurereadyclassroom.com. And again, it's just a way to allow educators to see and their students what these 21st century skills look like on display in action and learn from educators who are doing a really, really great job of developing those skills in their students. We will certainly make sure that we have a link to that podcast. I checked out a couple episodes here. They're great. They're about a half an hour, 25 minutes or so. And guys, if you want to learn all about this stuff, check out everything over there. Their website is spacesedu.com. And of course, you can check out all the great stuff and links over on our shows. This is Ask the Tech Coach, episode number 137. Damon, I gotta, Damien, I got to ask you the question here as we head into the summer. What is the future for all of this stuff? Where do you see digital portfolios, these things? I mean, are we going AR? Are we going virtual? Like what, 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 what's on the horizon for everybody here? Yeah. Um, you know what? And, and again, I can understand that I'm biased. I'm of the belief that will, and you know, it's funny that we talked about digital citizenship, right? But our digital presence is only going to get stronger and it's only going to be more important to have the digital presence that you want to have, because that's only going to play more of a, a role in what kind of decisions are made and what kind of opportunities are presented to you. So I'm of the belief that we're only going to keep saying that cheesy phrase that we want our students to be creators, not consumers more, but then actually giving them the, the tools and, and having our teachers trained on how to support them with that, knowing that a lot of this information will be intentionally designed for public consumption. So it, I'm of the belief that the future isn't all the amazing things that are happening in the classroom 
aren't going to be held to the silo that is the classroom, that we're going to be empowering our teachers and our students to showcase with the world all the amazing stuff that's happened. And that's going to be through documentation and through tools like digital portfolios. There's so many. It's, it's so interesting to be in, in my shoes, someone who's, who's not an educator, but works with educators every day and has for almost a decade now, that the, the public has so many misconceptions about all the great things that teachers are doing in the classroom. And I think documenting that and showing that to the world not only will help the student when they're ready to apply for that job, will do a much better job of helping the general public understand that the, all the misconceptions they have about the amazing work that teachers are doing in the classroom. So I think it's a future where we're creators, not just consumers, and everyone is bought into that. The website, again, is spacesedu.com. And of course, Damien, thank you so much for checking out the stuff. And tech coaches, if you're looking to learn more about digital portfolios, check out all the great stuff over at spacesedu.com. Not only are they supporting teachers in the classrooms, but they're supporting teachers out of the classrooms too. Their blog is great. Their podcast is great. Um, there's a lot of great things over here. Check it out today, spacesedu.com. Damien, thank you so much for your time. Um, take a moment here, plug your, we talked about the website for a couple of seconds here, but uh, social media, where else can we find you guys? Yeah, if, uh, I mean, I highly encourage everyone to check out the, the Twitter. It's at spaces underscore edu. That's where we're going to be running this contest that I just talked about. We'll be doing a weekly giveaway every week in May and then a daily giveaway every day, in, or sorry, weekly in April, daily in May. Um, and that's where you're going to find everything from us. So spaces underscore edu on Twitter. And uh, the podcast is Competencies Without a Classroom, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. I hope you guys have a chance to check that stuff out. We're here every single Monday. This is Ask the Tech Coach. Don't forget to check out all of our great freebies, our blogs, our podcasts. And don't forget to be a part of the TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. You can sign up today over at TeacherCast.net slash TCN form. That's teachercast.net slash TCN for Tech Coach Network form. It is free. Check it out. And don't forget, you can also check out all of our great archives over at askthetechcoach.com. And that wraps up this episode of Ask the Tech Coach, episode number 137. On behalf of Damien and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.